Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time we can share around your precious word and help us, Lord, to receive what it is that you want us to know so that we might be equipped, Lord, to extend your kingdom and to be better examples of you on this earth. I thank you for everyone within the sound of my voice. I pray for you to bless them, Lord. And I pray that no spirit of darkness will interfere with either the preaching of this word or the receiving of this word that you give us, Holy Spirit, revelation, that we be clear understanding, is to hear, as the Lord said, hearts to understand and minds to do. We thank you for your word. We bless you, Father, in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go to Matthew 16, 21 to 25. It's quite a startling scripture, this, actually. I always like to think that, you know, we have such a misconception of gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He is gentle, and he's meek, and he's mild, but sometimes he lets rip, okay? Verse 20, Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Yeshua the Christ. From that time, Yeshua began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, Peter, you know, he sort of jumps to conclusions here, as Peter often does. I don't think he heard the thing about being raised on the third day. All he heard was he's going to be killed. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Okay, now this is a man rebuking Almighty God, by the way, but Peter is ignorant. Many things God overlooks. Anyway, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. In other words, I'm going to defend you. This is not going to happen to you. I'll protect you. I'm a big, strong fisherman. Nobody's going to touch you. Now listen to what the Lord says. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Have you ever said that to one of your brothers in Christ? Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Amen. Now, when I was asking the Lord for this message, I said to him, You know, Lord, the church has been so good to us, so wonderful to us in this last few weeks, become evident of the great love we have amongst one another. And I said to him, Lord, please, can I have a message that will bless your people, really bless your people, in a way to say thank you. 
And um, anyway, the Lord started to put things in my mind. And to be honest with you, I said, Lord, are you sure this is the right message? <laughs> because when I think of blessing, I think of speaking of his great love and his great care. You know, that sort of stuff. But what he gave me was quite a raw piece of meat, if I can put it that way. And I'm going to throw it out there. But when I think about it, what is the greater blessing? Do you understand? What is the greater blessing? That which you know, tickles the ears? Well, that which challenges the heart. And I realize the greater blessing is the latter one, you see. So this is quite a tough message. Please just receive it and allow it to work in our lives. Amen. Because I believe it's the key for us to move forward as a church. Amen. And we want to move forward, don't we? Anyway, the title of this message is Robust Christianity. Robust Christianity. Now, what do I mean by robust? I remember as a young boy in our home, my father was a mining engineer and he rose to the top of the ranks because of his ability, hard work and knowledge. And he was the manager of this big mine up in Zambia. And what happens very often, the mine wants to do an expansion. On one occasion, they wanted to build what they call a whale's kiln. What the whale's kiln does, it takes the old ore and reprocesses it and gets ore out of it, you see. So it extended the life of that mine by another 10 years. Anyway, he was the project manager, I suppose you could call him that. Because of that, they put out tenders for uh, big engineering works all over the world to come and tender for this. And you know what happens. I mean, that Christmas, did we get gifts from Japan, from Germany, <laughs> from everywhere, you know, and beautiful cards. And you understand what's going on here. You know, they're trying to curry favor so that my dad would give them this multi-million dollar tender, you see. Anyway, my dad being my dad, down the line, looked at it all, saw what was best for the company, and went that way, you see. Anyway, I remember a conversation that took place, and it was discussing, I think it was either a firm that didn't get the tender, or somebody was talking about the firm, and they asked my father, why didn't we get the tender? You see, why didn't we get the tender? And I'll never forget the words that he used. He said, I gave the tender to the people who were as cost-effective as possible, but offered us robust engineering. See the term? Robust engineering. I'll never forget that term. What did he mean by that? Well, mining is a tough job, let me tell you. You're actually fighting with the earth. And you need equipment that can actually stand the rigors of that mining environment, which is quite violent sometimes, actually. You see, you don't want flimsy stuff. You don't want good-looking, state-of-the-art, cheap stuff that's going to collapse. You want robust stuff. You understand what the meaning of robust is? Able to stand the test. Able to withstand the rigors of life. And God spoke to me about it and said, you know, I want robust Christianity. Robust Christianity. Now, what does that mean in practical terms? Well, you see, Christianity is essentially relationship, is it not? The heart of Christianity is relationship. And I'm going to speak about robust Christianity in regards to three types of relationship. Amen? The first one is your and my relationship with God. Do you know something? He wants a robust relationship. What do I mean by that? Do you know how easy it is to fall into like a um, superficial, artificial concept of relationship with God? All, in a sense, wine and roses, me and my God floating along. You've got a concept of him out there and he's good. Oh yes, Lord, you are good, and, um, but I'll carry on with my life. 
Now you see, it's so easy to fall into that, that trap. That's not what he wants. Do you know that? He doesn't want that. He wants a robust relationship. What do I mean by that? You take him by the throat almost and say, God, I've got to change. Help me. I want to be like you. Do you understand? You're not satisfied to stay where you are. I'm not happy to stay where I am. You see? And when you and I have a robust relationship with God, it means you're ready to take the knocks. Amen? You're ready to take the knocks. You see? You're ready to let him change you. Change us. And it's painful sometimes. You see, it's painful. I have a wonderful prayer time. I've decided, Father God, I'm going to have such a wonderful prayer time with you. And I must say, for a large part, my relationship with the Lord has been robust. What do I mean by that? I'm not happy to go through the day until I've met with you. Do you understand? I want you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want us to have a relationship. Close relationship, right now, right here. Not in the sweet by and by. Maybe one day when I get to heaven, I'll see his face and oh, glory. There was one preacher we listened to. The man was speaking about a great preacher. And this great preacher was a great man of God, was being interviewed. And they asked him, you know, what do you want the Lord to say when you get to heaven? And he said, all I want him to say is, well done, good and faithful servant. This pastor went into raptures over the statement. To understand the sentiment, this man had done so much for God, he wanted to keep on serving him. But you know what I thought to myself? If I get to heaven and the Lord's got to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, that's an insult. Can I tell you why? Because I need to make sure right now, today, I'm being a good and faithful servant. You understand? Robust Christianity insists, God, am I doing what you want me to do? And if I'm not, tell me, because I'm not going anywhere till I am. Do you understand? If I'm not being faithful, expose it so I can be faithful. Are you all picking this up? You see, I'd much rather when I get to heaven, I just slip over from this side to the other, and the Lord sees me, a big smile comes on his face, and he says, Oh no, not you again. <laughs> As if to say, I put up with this pest every single day of his life. Now he's come to stay. Am I going to get any rest? You understand? That's what I want. Nothing changes. doesn't have to say to me, good and faithful servant, because we know good and well that I've been a good and faithful servant every single day. And that's not an issue anymore. You understand what I'm saying? What I do believe is going to happen, he's going to say, come and sit down here, you see. Have a cup of tea, and I'm going to ask him, can I put sugar in? <laughs> I think he'll say, yes, hey, Barry, because it is heaven after all. Then you push a button, and this universal screen will come up. And you know what's going to happen? This is what I'm looking forward to. He's going to show me, and all of us, the things that happened that we didn't even know about because of our life on this earth. Amen? But what I'm trying to get at is, I'm not worried about the hereafter. What matters is now, you see. And the relationship we have with him needs to be real time now. And you'll only get there if you prepare to be robust about it. Robust. Take the knocks. You see, why don't people have this very often? Well, ignorance obviously is one of the cases. and Maybe it's not preach enough. But secondly, I think fear. There's fear. You see, when you have a robust relationship with God, you're not prepared to let things lie. You understand? You're not prepared to let things be swept under the carpet. Passive relationship says, okay, this is the favorite expression, the Lord understands. Hmm? I've got sin in my life, but the Lord, he understands. 
Well, he does understand, but he's not happy with it, you see. And he can't do anything about it as long as we are happy with it. So what I'm talking about is robust relationship with God says, I don't want this muck in my life. Let's do what has to be done to get rid of it, you see. And that means, brothers and sisters, exposing yourself. Sometimes when I go into prayer, I get a bit worried. What's it going to be this time? Amen? Let me tell you, we've all got muck in our lives. I don't care how holy you see yourself. By God's standards. I'm talking about His standards, not our standards. See, the danger is we live by our own standards. I'm such a good guy. I'm such a nice guy. Before I got saved, I thought, I'm such a nice guy. Took the saving grace of God to show me just how filthy I really was. Amen. But it didn't stop there. Didn't stop there. And you see, I'm not prepared to live with stuff in my life that will stop me from doing what God's called me to do. Are you all hearing me? The word's very clear. Only the pure in heart will see God. You see, our lens gets discolored and we can't see him. I don't want that, you see. I'm not prepared to put up with it. You see, and a robust relationship says, God, let's get this right. I'm not happy. Are you hearing me? Amen. This is real stuff. Amen. Prayer meetings take on a completely different tone here. I just say to Janet, I'm going to pray. I keep the door closed so it doesn't, I don't keep her awake. And we have us a fine time here, let me tell you. Other night, I'm going to pray. And to be honest with you, I was a bit afraid. I'll be very honest, I was a bit afraid. And I just thought, you know what? What's it going to be this time? <laughs> what are you going to expose it this time? You know? Because when he exposes stuff, it's painful. But it's praise God. Once you deal with it, you're free. Absolutely free. And you can see more of him. And he can do more with you. I want to come to the place. You know, it says there in the Bible, the Lord looks for a man that would serve him. And he couldn't find one. I'm going to write there. Here I am. Amen. Here I am. Look at me. You get it? I want to be a kind of person that God can do anything he wants to through. Awesome God can do anything he wants to through. How's that for a challenge? But what's it going to take? Absolute purity of heart. Amen. Stuff we don't even know. Barry was saying, you go praying, what have I done that I can't remember? God knows these things that are holding us back. You see? And robust Christianity, relationship with him says, Lord, whatever it is, I want it exposed. I don't care what it costs. I don't care how painful, but I want to go through that. Amen? Can you see? You take God by the throat almost and say, Buster, I'm not going until you change me. Are you hearing me? No, no, please. You might say, well, that's, you know, disrespectful. But can I tell you something? God loves that. Amen. He much rather that than people that sit passively by and have a beautiful prayer meeting. Quoting the script, you know, singing the songs. Listen, I've become very emotional, as you probably noticed. Probably the drugs they fed me in the hospital. But <laughs> I break into tears at the drop of a hat. And sometimes I'm praying to God and I get an understanding of His grace. I just can't help myself. I bawl like a baby. And it's a wonderful thing. I'm enjoying my emotions. I'm not ashamed. Amen? Not ashamed. I'm enjoying my emotions. I encourage you all to enjoy your emotions. But I've learned something. You can have emotional experience. In the middle of the night, it will not help you to face the devil in the day. Did you know that? Those emotions will evaporate. What have we got to have? Robust relationship with the man. You understand? And he stands with you when you face temptation and everything like that. Are you hearing me, church? This is so important. I'm praying that you will all 
Just pick up the spirit of this thing if you haven't already and not be satisfied with what you have. Okay, we're content in God, but we're not satisfied because there's always, always more. I'll never forget the one church we bumbled into. We're famous for this. This family bumbles into church. I'm sitting there minding my own business. The pastor comes and he says, I want you to teach in the Bible college. And I said, I'm not really equipped. And he said, why not? Well, I said, I haven't raised anybody from the dead today. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I eventually ended up teaching in his Bible college. I didn't get paid, by the way, so that's probably why I asked me. But anyway, what am I saying? There's always more. We're supposed to be like he is in the earth. I always say to him, Lord, I'm supposed to be like you were in the earth. You heal everybody. You raise the dead. What am I doing with my life? Amen. What am I doing with my life? You see? And he starts saying, okay, well, we'll work on this, work on this. And, you know, slap me around a bit. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. So that's important. Your and my relationship with God needs to be robust. Amen. Robust relationship with God. Able to take the knocks. Amen. Because, you see, in the taking of the knocks, we become stronger people, which is what he wants in this world. The next area that we need to have a robust approach to the Word of God. Amen. A robust approach to the Word of God. What does that mean? We're not happy to just read the Word and say, oh, that's a beautiful sounding script. I think I'll put that on my fridge. I think I'll put that on internet just so everybody can see. I mean, I was receiving this daily. Beautiful pictures with the beautiful scripture from a friend of mine every day. Now, I assume he was hoping I'd be blessed. But, dear God, I don't want beautiful pictures of scriptures, etc. I want to get the word into me. Amen. I want to have a relationship with the word, an approach to the word that takes the word and says, this is what it says. Okay. Is this working in my life? Yes or no? 90% of the time, what is the answer? Unfortunately not. So do I say, oh, well, that's fine. I'll move on, you know? No, that is not robust relationship with the Word. Robust relationship with the Word says, come along, let's have it. God, why isn't this working in my life? What don't I know? Where must I go to from here? What must I do until this is working in my life? Are you hearing me? I'm not happy just to have a beautiful scripture on the fridge. That scripture on the fridge will not help you and I when trouble hits. Can I tell you something? By having that approach, it stood me in very good stead. I'll give you one example. In Ephesians, it speaks there, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is some time back. I read that scripture and thought, Graham, you apparently, according to this, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Sounded so good. What was the reality? I was going through hell. You understand? I was going through hell. Now, you see, I could have said, oh, that's a very nice scripture. I'll just, once again, put it as a bumper sticker and somebody else can read it. Or... But you see, it troubled me. It troubled me because I thought, why is this in the Bible? Is God happy for me to know that one day, you know, all your troubles will fly away? Is that how we're supposed to live? Just put up with what you've got here for now. I mean, that's just tough tacky, but, you know, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I thought, dear God, this is not helping me. 
But I didn't leave it there is what I'm saying. And I mulled on that and I mulled on it and I mulled on it. I, I took the word and I wouldn't let it go. You understand? I wasn't happy just to leave it as a platitude. I wanted to know what is God saying. And I went on a run once and the, the answer came to me. Do you know that? It was like revelation. And the Lord said, you know what? Those blessings are in the Spirit. What you've got to do is exercise your faith to download them. Do you understand? They're all there. They're all there waiting for you. But you have to exercise your faith to download them. Scripture in Peter speaks about by these promises we enjoy the blessings. You have to use them, you see. And that's what he taught me. And it was like a revelation. You understand? And you see, when we come to the Word, you can't just read something and say, oh, that's very interesting. Like God's made his power available to us. The power that works in you. Oh, lovely, the power's working in me. You see, now a robust relationship with the Lord says, my God, where is this power? Is it really working through me? And if not, why not? You get it? And I'm not going to stop until I find out why, until it is working through me. Do you understand? That's the approach to have to the precious word of God. You can't just read it as a nice book, book of poetry, philosophy. Then it becomes actually in our lives myths and legends. Did you know that? No, you can't do that with the word of God. We have to take the bull by the horns, you see, and have a robust relationship. And let me tell you, when I was in the hospital there, the word inside of me, there was so much word, it just carried me through. Of course, everybody else's prayers, that was a wonderful thing. But in every situation, the word would rise up in me. And the word that rose up in me wasn't a weak platitude that I'd stuck on the fridge, you understand? It was part of my life. Because I'd done something, I'd made it part of my life. And can I tell you, the doctors were looking at me to say, he's on his way out. And I wasn't worried one bit. Amen? Not one bit. Why? Satan can't touch me until I finish my job. You understand? God allows him up to a certain point, but there's a line in the sand he can't go over. I knew that. Because the word says, with a long life I'm going to satisfy you, that scripture has stood me in good stead already. Not the first time the devil's tried to take me out. And probably not the last time. Probably more ambitious program this time, but still. What I'm saying is the word in my heart has stood the test of time. And I know that I know that I know. So they're all saying, oh, your blood sugar levels are sky, your infection is so high. The quack wanted to take me into the theater and cut me open. Can you believe it? He wanted to do that. If it had the resource, if we'd been in a medical aid, that's what would have happened to me. Do you know that I'd come out of hospital now and I'd be in a wheelchair with massive gashes on my legs? God knew what he was doing, is what I'm saying. But in all of it, I didn't worry. Why? The word, you see. I have a robust relationship with the word and that word lives inside of me. And when you have a robust relationship with the word, you will not doubt in the darkness what God has shown us in the light. Can you all say amen? You will not doubt in the darkness what God has shown us in the light. Okay, that's number two. Number three, the last one. And this is quite a tricky subject to discuss. So please listen very carefully because we can get it wrong. And I don't want that. We need to, as a church, and I believe we want to move into this, have robust relationships with one another. Amen? Robust relationships with one another. What do I mean by that? You see, there is a place in the Word of God, in the church, for us to disagree. Amen? 
We are all different. We come from different paradigms, different positions, you see. And we've got to realize that, yes, God wants harmony. Yes, he wants unity. Yes. But for us to grow, we have to, in a sense, within that harmony, realize there's a place for robust discussion. Robust discussion of the word. The Bible speaks about iron sharpens iron, so the countenance of a man sharpens his friend. Now just think about it. Here you've got the knife, here you've got the sharpener. You know the thing you're going to sharpen it again. While they are apart, are they going to sharpen? No! You have to rub them together. What happens? The sparks fly. Amen? The sparks fly, but at the end the knife is sharp. You see? What I want us to understand something. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to always agree with everybody. Okay? That's not harmony. Stacy will tell you, harmony is when you have different notes, but they all work together to make a beautiful sound. And I need to just sound a caution here. I'm not talking about contention. All right? The Bible warns against contention. There's a big difference between contention, which is fighting amongst each other, and having robust discussion. All right? Robust discussion. You see, there's differences here. Let me just get it clear. When you have contention, it's because people want to have their own way. You understand? They want to prove that they are right. They want to prove that they are right. When we talk about robust discussion around the word of God, we're not talking about having to prove that we are right. Amen? Okay, that's when you have contention. Let me just give you four rules for proper aggressive discussion around the word. Right? Number one, there must be an understanding on both sides that the word of God is the ultimate. The final authority is what the word of God says. Can you all say amen? Not what you think, not what you feel, not what you would like it to say, not what it makes sense it would say. No, what does it actually say? Okay, so at the end of the day, if I am with somebody who doesn't recognize the veracity of God's word, I will not argue with them. It's wasting my time. Wasting time. Why? Because our only argument is, what does the word say? And they say, oh, well, I don't really believe that. The one church, the pastor stood up because there was contention about this whole healing business. And I'd written a long letter and I'd given all the scriptures, you see. So they've gone through this whole procedure. And the pastor says, let's not look at the Bible. Too confusing. I realized right then, I'm out of here. I'm wasting my time. Why? You can't argue with somebody who's dismissed the Bible. You understand? You can't come to any valid conclusion with somebody who said, no, the Bible isn't true. You understand? So that's number one. Both sides have to recognize the final authority of the Word of God. Number two, both sides have to give up the right to be right. You understand? We have to give up the right to be right. Humility says, look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Let's change. That's my approach. Always has been. Always has been. I don't want to stand up here. Do you know how much more the person who teaches is judged? I don't want to stand up here and spew a whole lot of lies. Do you understand? It's a big responsibility. I can wreck people's lives. People's lives have been wrecked by that. Just lies, half true. I don't want to do that. So I want to make sure that what I'm saying is from the Word, based on the Word. For that reason, I very often have sought out people to try and challenge and to find out whether what I'm saying is right. Sad to say, to date I haven't really found anybody. 
sad, isn't it? The whole story in its own. But you see, we have to recognize that we don't have to be right. And very often when I approach people, I realize they become so defensive, so defensive. Especially people who have been in the Word for all their whole life. I went to the university. I thought, these men have lived in the Bible. They've studied it day and night. They know it far better than I do. Do you understand? And just like Paul went up to Jerusalem just to see with the apostles whether what he is preaching was right. That's what he wanted to do. And I think he got quite disappointed because he realized that he had outstripped them with the knowledge of the Word. But anyway, I'm with this professor and I really thought this man... He spends his whole life studying the word. He must know it. And what I was hoping for, I was hoping for to say, listen, this is what God showed me. Let me just explain it to you. What do you think? You understand? What do you think? What I was hoping for is for him to say, Graham, that's very interesting. But you haven't considered this scripture. Amen? Taking from the store of all the scriptures he's got, you haven't considered this angle. Have you considered that? You see? And I'd say, yes, no, whatever. And I come away from there, what? educated, able to change if necessary, quite happy to change if necessary. You know what I discovered? The man was so terrified of what I said. Because if it was right, guess what? His whole life would have counted for nothing. And he tried to prove to me that he was right. Dismissed some of the scriptures just with a frivolous statement. I thought, what am I doing here? You understand? But I want that to disappear in our midst. We have to be people that are prepared to be robust when it comes to discussion around the things of God, amen, and around our lives. So see, number one, we have to say the Bible is the final authority. Number two, we have to forego our right to be right. Number three, we have to realize that we are not enemies. We're not fighting each other. You understand? We're not fighting each other. We are fighting ignorance in each other. You see that? We're fighting ignorance in each other to come to a knowledge of the truth. Amen? Does that make sense? We're fighting ignorance, not fighting each other. We're not fighting with one another. That's contention. We're not trying to prove we're right. We're not trying to show how much more we know of the Bible. That's not the issue. We're fighting against ignorance. I must say, in some of our men's meetings, and I'm encouraging the ladies to do the same, I've tried to open it up for people to share what they feel and what they think. I've always said, there's no wrong answer here. Just, you know, your opinion is invaluable. No matter how old you are in the Lord or young, doesn't matter. And I must say, we've had such wonderful revelation come out, and I've been blessed. But you see, what does it take? Ready to change, ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to move on. And the final thing that I need to say, and this is the last thing I want to say, is you can only have robust discussion if there is an understanding of covenant. I mean, covenant love. You see? And when there's covenant love, we can have a real Barney. The sparks can fly, you understand? We can really go for it. Not hold back and say, oh, well, you know, I might offend them. How terrible is that when you can't say something because you might offend the person? What a relationship when you can offend, but it's not a problem. Because at the end of the day, guess what? We're brothers in Christ. And we see evidence of that in the church. I just want to read the scripture for us, just drawing to a close. But I want to show you that the early church, it wasn't all wine and roses, you know that amongst the brethren. Am I right, Adeline? There's instances where they had real fights, real live issues. Okay, I just want to read a scripture there. It's in Romans. I want just to pick this up here. It's Romans 12, 7 to 19. Quite an interesting scripture, actually. Remember, 
This is in the context of there being no contentions among you and it's reported to me that there are contentions and Paul spoke against that. But Jerry says, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Now listen to this, verse 18. If it is possible, notice, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If he says, as far as is possible, what does that mean? Sometimes you have to recognize it's not possible. All right? You do your best, but it's just not possible. Not the end of the world. The church is not going to collapse if we have the right attitude. I mean, there are instances of it. The one we spoke about now, the opening scripture. Here we have Peter. I mean, he was one of the closest disciples. And he hears that the Lord's going to be killed. And just naturally defensive, he says, no, that's not going to happen to you. I won't allow that to happen to you. You see? Why did the Lord react in such a, almost like a vicious way? Get behind me, Satan. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? Because of the close bond that they had. That statement posed a real temptation. Amen? A real temptation. You see, because they were closeness, the devil could go through and straight into his heart. You see? Because there was a close bond. That's why husbands and wives, there's close bond. What you say is very, very important. You can actually, because of that close bond, cause damage. If you don't watch it carefully. Okay, but that's beside the point. What I'm saying is, what did the Lord do? He rebuked, not really Peter, he rebuked Satan in him, you understand? Because he discerned that this wasn't Peter, this was the devil trying to creep through Peter to wreck the ministry, to wreck his call. And he responded, get behind me, sir. You think of the things of men, not of God. You see, Peter didn't hear the part that he had to be raised up. That passed the disciples completely by. They were enjoying this king that was going to take over and they were going to be the princes and he could raise the dead. I mean, what more could you want? Feed the multitudes from nothing and now heal everybody. It's all going to be hunky-dory. And he says, no, I'm going to be killed. No way. <laughs> no, 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 we're not going to get rid of the chicken that lays the golden egg. We're going to look after you. Get behind me, Satan. It's necessary, you see. Now, can I ask a question? Did Peter get all huffy and say, well, you know what? I thought you were God, but you know, you called me the devil and you know, I'm trying to help you. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the relationship's over. I mean, that would happen most times. Imagine if I said to one of you, get behind me, Satan. So, oh, my soul, grand has gone mad, I'm out of here. You understand? Did that happen? No, no. He might have been very offended at the time, but the beautiful thing is Peter stuck it out, did he not? He blew it again once with the old cock crowing and whatnot. But you know, at the very end, the very end, he's in the boat. This is the beautiful thing about it. Despite having been rebuked, the Lord very often, let me tell you, slapped his disciples around. It was a robust relationship that he had with them. They'd just been threatened with their lives with a big calamity of getting drowned. And they're just like shivering rats. Oh, we made it through, thank goodness. And he turns around and instead of comforting them, saying, poor disciples, said, where was your faith? He rebukes them. That's a robust relationship, you see, because what's more important, them being comforted or them being strong? You understand? This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. This robust relationship with one another. And you see, Peter, at the very end, despite all of this harsh treatment, you might have called it, being slapped around, being called a devil, I mean, really, went through it all. He stuck with it, and at the very end, he 
he sees the Lord on the shore, and what does he do? His emotions take off. He just wants to get him. He jumps out. He loved him. You understand? Through it all, he loved him. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? There's a place for sparks flying. Another one example I'll close with. Paul was quite a rough and tough character. He had to be for what he went through. If he hadn't been that way, he wouldn't have made it. His first missionary trip was him and Barnabas. They took along John Mark, you see. John Mark was the one that ran away at the time of the crucifixion, half naked. and He was in the whole deal, okay? He was in the whole deal. They take him along. They go for one trip on one of these ships. And on the other side, John Mark probably got seasick and said, not for me, I'm out of here. I went back home. Okay? So that was the first missionary trip. The next missionary trip, they're about to go off, Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas says, let's take John Mark. And Paul says, not on your life. I don't want that wimp with me again. Let us down once. I'm not going to have it. Barnabas probably said, no, give him a chance. You know what happened right there? The sparks began to fly. They had a massive argument about it. Massive argument. To the extent that Barnabas went his way, Paul went his way and took Silas with him instead. Okay? They had a big fight. Now you might say, oh, was that right? Who was right? Can I tell you, in the event, with hindsight, both were right. Paul was right because him and Silas ended up in the Philippian jail. Can you imagine Mark who couldn't stand it boat ride in the Philippian jail at midnight having been beaten to a pulp? He'd be probably crying for his mother. Paul needed somebody who had the guts to start praising God so that the angel could pitch. Amen. 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 So that's the one side of the story and perhaps Paul was right. However, listen to this. Barnabas being a more, I think, kindly man, son of friendship, encouragement right. He took Mark under his wing, nurtured the boy. And what happened? Mark wrote the first gospel. Did you know that? The gospel we know, the gospel of Mark. And the other gospels were based on that gospel. Can you see? Fruit came out of it. But Paul didn't say, oh, no, 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 I'll take him along. No, 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 no. Hmm? Sweep it under the carpet. No, 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 I don't want this man, but no, no, no. And then get into a hot spot and Mark cracks and makes it more difficult for Paul. You see, he was right. And yet Barnabas saw the potential in Mark, just a different nature that could bring it out of him, you see. And thank God for the gospel of Mark. But let me tell you something beautiful about that story. At the end, we find Paul speaking and saying, send my beloved son Mark to tell him to bring the scrolls. Can you see? Tell him to bring the scrolls. You see, these men had fights, yes, they disagreed, yes, but at the end of the day, guess what? There was covenant love because there was covenant purpose. Amen. And I'm encouraging us to move into the future. Let's be bold. Let's be robust in our relationships with one another. Amen. Let the iron sharpen the iron. Okay. But understand that it's not we fighting against one another. It's not war. It's because of covenant love. Amen. Because you want to move ahead. We're fighting against ignorance. We're fighting against the kingdom of darkness for the sake of the kingdom of light. And sometimes that fight requires us to stand our ground and maybe disagree. Maybe disagree. All right? But not just sort of pretend to agree to keep the peace. Amen? Just pretend to keep the peace, you see. But in your heart you don't agree. Amen? That's not robust relationship, is it? Robust relationship, I don't agree. And we can all say, 
come to the place where we agree to disagree. Amen. We can do that. I've had that with authorities, certain areas. He sat down and talked to me about it. He says, I'm not happy with this. Blah, blah, blah. And he threw at me some uh, things he just downloaded from the internet to try and prove I was wrong. I wasn't prepared to argue with it. Because I was sad to think that he'd think I would just pick up some doctrine and go run with it. He didn't know that I would, obviously, before I even spoke about it, do proper research. And I'd done a whole teaching on it. And what he threw at me didn't have a patch on what I really understood. You understand? But here we are. And he's the elder man that's proven, run the course. And I just said, no, that's fine. He just said, please don't share this with the rest of the network because it might cause confusion. Amen. Amen. But we still continue. Amen. We still continue. Are you hearing me, church? Because we have a disagreement or we don't see eye to eye on something. Doesn't mean the covenant relationship now has got to collapse. You understand? Doesn't mean that. You see, and I believe why God let me preach this message now is because I believe this church is starting to understand covenant relationships. We're coming to a place where we're mature enough to be able to do these things and move into them. So we can be changed, all right? So we can be changed and become more like what he wants us to be. Amen. Well, I trust that was a blessing. And thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. I pray that you just birth this in our hearts. May we pick up the spirit, Lord, of the word. May we not be contentious people, trying to prove that we're right all the time, but rather genuinely seek the truth, that we might not be laboring under misconceptions or misunderstandings, that we might move forward and become robust Christians, strong Christians, Strong Christians, I speak that over us, strong Christians, able to withstand the rigors of this world that are getting worse and worse, that we might be a testimony to the mighty power of the God who we serve in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.